This is Postico Chronicles, and I'm your host, Matt Falk. Hello, Postico Chronicle listeners. Our guest today is Amarjit Sohi. Amarjit served as an Edmonton City Councilor of Ward 6 from 2007 to 2010, and then Edmonton City Councilor from 2010 to 2015. After that, Amarjit went on to represent the Edmonton Millwoods area as a Member of Parliament from 2015 to 2018, first as the Minister of Infrastructure and Communities, and then afterwards as the Minister of Natural Resources from 2018 to 2019. But before all of that, he was a taxi driver and an Edmonton City bus driver. Now he is running for Mayor of Edmonton in the election this October 2021. Welcome, Amarjeet. How are you? I am uh, good, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. Uh and inviting me to be on your podcast. I am so delighted that uh, we get the chance to talk to each other. Thank you so much. Thanks for making uh, time of your busy schedule. I have a million questions for you, but <laughs> I figured uh, it might be best to start with a little icebreaker so that we can get to know you, so that maybe voters get to know you, uh, and it's just like a lightning round of, uh, I guess, like fun questions. Is that, yeah. is that okay? Okay. Um, so first off, uh, what's your favorite park in Edmonton? My favorite park? Yeah. Uh, River Valley, obviously. You know, River Valley in Edmonton is uh, is the jewel of the city. And it cuts across uh, from one corner of the city to the, uh, to the other. And uh, it is one of the longest urban park in uh, North America. Nice. And it's filled with activities and passive active recreation. And I love being there uh, as well. So many other Edmontonians. Nice. Sorry, this is lightning round. We got to go a little bit faster. <laughs> Not to rush you as our interviewee guest. Um, what's your favorite library? My favorite library is absolutely the one in Meadows. Meadows Public Library. Uh, what's your favorite go-to comfort food restaurant? Uh, Coffee Cafe in uh, Millwoods. Uh, if you are ever coming back home, Go visit it on 28th Avenue and Melrose Road. I come back home all the time. I'm originally from Edmonton for listeners, yeah, but I come home. Um, what's your favorite LRT station? My favorite LRT station is obviously used to be downtown Churchill Square, which is going through major renovation now. And it's an addition to that station with the, with the LRT from Melwoods going to downtown. What's your favorite thing to do at West Edmonton Mall? Oh, well, that's, that's a tricky one. I think people watching, I would say. Uh, not yeah. much shopping, but it's just a busy, busy, busy mall. Uh, I do go for shopping there too once in a while, uh, but uh, I would say people watching. What's your favorite store or small business that you love to patronize in Edmonton? Well, there's a number of them, right? And there's a lot of small businesses downtown on White Avenue and in our business district and a lot of... Uh, Multicultural communities are opening up their shops on 118th Avenue, on Wilbert Avenue. So I don't want to pick one. I want to because one of my favorite one over the other. But there's so much going on in, in the city. Uh, and I'm really hopeful that once we are out of this pandemic, uh, we will get to enjoy such a huge, rich uh, cultural vibrancy of the, of the hospitality and the restaurant industry in Edmonton. 
what are some of your favorite and least favorite roads or streets to drive on in Edmonton? You don't oh, have to answer uh, if you don't want to. Uh, <laughs> you're you're really testing my uh, my skills, and here, right? I uh, well, obviously, I haven't driven for a while because I've been I've hardly driven lately because of COVID. Uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, I really really enjoy riding along 97th street in the in the castle downs area uh the tree-lined street with so much beautiful colors during uh, springtime and summertime is just a phenomenal phenomenal drive and the river valley drive is another beautiful drive uh, hand dave i would say gets busier so that would be the least uh, enjoyable ride is anthony Handy. uh mm-hmm. but whenever you get close to uh, to the river valley and you enjoy uh, you get to see the beauty of the city you really enjoy the driving as well this episode was sponsored by our patreon contributors we just started a patreon page and it's super exciting when you become a patreon page subscriber you get episode shoutouts, early access to pcc merch and you'll be able to submit fan questions for future guests. There's a link in the episode description right now. This is our first ever episode shoutout, hopefully the first of many. So, this episode is brought to you by William C., Marco Falk, and Rostislav Soroka. Thank you so much. Now, back to the interview. Perfect. Uh, thanks for entertaining us <laughs> by answering those quick questions. But we did have one listener question submitted by a Patreon contributor, and they wanted us to ask if you have any memorable stories as an Edmonton city bus driver. Oh, a number of them. And uh, this one is, the, I, this is actually from my first day on the job. And at that time, City was buying new buses with new technologies on it. And I was given this brand new bus to drive on day one. And I was so nervous because your first day on the job and you're out there early in the morning and it started, uh, it started snowing that day. And I will never remember how difficult that shift was for me and navigating through uh, windy roads of Riverbend, where uh, you are familiar with, Matthew. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is a route that went from uh, uh, Southgate all the way to uh, uh, Riverbend, then connecting to university, picking up passengers from the Riverbend. Uh, it was a grueling day of uh, my first year job. Yeah, sounds like it. I, I, I bet it was difficult. <laughs> Uh, you ran, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how that, uh, compares though, also to a political campaign. Uh, you ran for a city councilor position in 2004 while well, you yeah. were working as a city bus driver, right? Yeah, I was working for the city when I ran first time in 2004 and I took leave without pay for about three or four months leading up to the election to be at the doors talking to people and uh, and my work at transit uh, helped me to connect so many people because when you're uh, working for transit so many people use that system 
So you get to know people from all walks of life, people you know, who are going to school, people who are going to work or, uh, you know, young parents dropping off their kids at daycare, then getting to school and or university or to, uh, or to work or people who are struggling to make ends meet and they ride around your bus during cold winter days when they don't have a place to live or go to, but they want to stay warm. This is so they stay on your bus. So I got to see so much and meet so many wonderful Edmontonians during that time. What made you want to get into politics and how does one make that jump, right? Like, I don't think it's like a natural mindset or a life career path. Like, what what made you want to get into politics? So, uh, before I worked for ETS, I was also working within a different branch at Edmonton Transit called Disabled Adults Transportation System. That's for short. And there, our working conditions were very poor. We were working six days a week, seven, uh, uh, you know, six days a week and uh, 12 hours a day without any benefits, without any sick leave. And if we fell sick, then we still had to show up for work. And it was just a horrible, horrible working conditions. And during that time, uh, my colleagues and I started organizing our work site to improve our working conditions. And we interacted with a number of city councilors, uh, lobbying them to change and hold the administration to account because we felt that we were not being treated fairly. And during that process, we also filed a complaint against the city to the labor board because city was creating roadblocks for us to unionize. And uh, and we when, when we took the city to court, we had public uh, hearings in the uh, in front of the labor board. And I was asked to provide the leadership by my colleagues. And during that leadership, uh, I took charge of organizing. I took charge of uh, building stronger relationship with city council. And I took charge of leading our efforts in front of the labor board along with my other colleagues. And that was quite a learning experience for me. Uh, and really get a taste of what a leadership look like and what role working class Canadians can play to improve their working conditions and their lot in, li- in, 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 in life. And that opened up opportunities for me to understand how city hall works. And and the decisions that are made by city council impact people's lives. And the services that city provides, how critical they are for the well-being of Edmontonians. So that was a taste for me to uh, get into politics. And so I ran in 2004 uh, and, 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 uh, and uh, did not win that election, but it gave me a lot of experience. And then I ran again in 2007. So it was kind of a natural progression from uh, organizing, then being part of the union, leading my colleagues, uh, and being an advocate for them, and then uh, my advocacy to city council and building stronger relationship with uh, other city employees and stakeholders uh, uh, to make that happen. I think that a lot, or a question that a lot of Edmontonians are curious about is, 
after spending some years in the federal office, why are you moving into back into the municipal office? Yeah. So I did not think about running for mayor, uh, and I did not make this decision lightly. After losing the 2019 election, uh, I started my own business of uh, government relations and public uh, uh, relations consulting work, uh, which, went, which was going really well. Uh, I was succeeding and uh, and and, uh, and getting a lot of inquiries and assigning a number of contracts to uh, uh, provide that service. Along with that, I started teaching uh, at McEwen University uh, on leadership and anti-racism training, and that led to more opportunities to provide anti-racism training to other institutions. So my work was going well, but quite a few Edmontonians reached out to me once our current mayor decided that he was not going to run again and asked me to consider. So the more conversation I had, more convinced I became that the challenges we are facing in our city from the state of the economy, how does it, uh, a, a recovery or a pandemic looks like social issues from homelessness to mental health, addiction, poverty, which are all intersecting issues. One impacts the other. And how do we turn climate change and environmental sustainability issues to jobs and green economy? At the same time, deal with equity issues because uh, the economy is not working for everyone. Our society is not working for everyone. There are people being left behind and uh, those people happen to be from racialized indigenous communities. Uh, so how do you deal with those equity issues? And I felt that these are pretty daunting issues and they cannot be tackled by one individual. What we need is someone who can pull the community together, who can be a bridge builder between different stakeholders, partners, and bring people together to the table and work with council to tackle those challenges. So that collaborative leadership style that is necessary to tackle these challenges is something I, uh, I, 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 I have, and something I, uh, I really, uh, you know, uh, value in my in my work and how I have got things done. Uh, collaboration in my mind is the key to success and key to local governance. And I have a track record based on the collaboration, getting big things done. So I thought that's the kind of leadership style that city is needed. That's why I'm stepping up. On that note of systemic inequity, your campaign platforms mentions that you would aim to confront systemic inequity so that we can all succeed. So what does that really mean at the municipal level? So what this means is that in order to understand racism and how that racism is impacting racialized and indigenous communities, we need to understand that from a, from a systems point of view, but also from a historical point of view. Uh, racism is not a new thing. It has existed for, for centuries. It is part of the colonial culture of Canada. You look back at the history of marginalization and taking away of culture of indigenous communities, uh, the residential schools, uh, the, the trauma that's caused by those residential schools and over-representation of indigenous 
and black Canadians and other racialized Canadians in our uh, uh, social systems, in the, uh, uh, in the, uh, in the homelessness uh, uh, situation or uh, lack of employment opportunities or overrepresentation in the justice system. So all those things are caused by those historical disparities and uh, long-standing disparities that which have become part of the system now. So if you if we don't challenge those systems, then we can't really tackle systemic racism. Another aspect is that the uh, our economic success we will not live up to our fullest potential if we are con- if we continue to leave people behind. If people are hurting, if people are struggling with racial pain and trauma and they cannot contribute to the economic success of our city then our city is not our city is not going to be successful at the same time if our economy is not thriving then we don't have the resources and the money to pay for the social programs that we that we rely on so i see all these things kind of interconnected and one uh, if you tackle one, you tackle the other one as well, right? So I think that's why I call them, uh, you know, tackling these issues at a more of a systemic, holistic way with coordination that one, one supports the other. In, in one of the blog posts on your campaign website, it, it was entitled Ending Hate-Based Violence in Our City. Yeah. So we touched on a bit, but like from what you were talking about right now, but why do you think this is an important topic to be addressed and what actions can really be taken by a mayor in this specific topic? Yeah, this is important because uh, hate violence is becoming more and more problem now. Uh, We have seen uh, more hate violence against uh, indigenous Canadians, against black communities, against uh, Asian Canadians in light of uh, uh, the COVID and propaganda around uh, uh, misleading information around uh, COVID and uh, violence against uh, Muslim communities. We have seen rise of attacks on uh, women wearing hijab, for example. And uh, and that is concerning to me as a racialized uh, uh, member, as a, as, a, as a proud Edmontonian. I don't want my city to be uh, seen as a city uh, where violence against minority communities happens or violence against anyone happens. So for me, tackling this issue is critical uh, from safety point of view, but also from an image point of view. Edmonton is a welcome place. We want to remain a welcome place and we need to tackle these issues head on. I think there's a number of things that a mayor can do, mayor's office can do. One is city council looking at bylaw reforms changes that will ban some hate symbol that will have more strict penalties uh, or more interventionist approach uh, to providing support to racialized communities whenever there is an attack on city property or uh, or against people in the public places right so how do we reform our bylaws that's one thing another is uh, there's a moral leadership that mayor's office can provide by being the champion of diversity and inclusion and anti-racism work and living those values through the office and the, through the city departments and uh, and city institutions. Another thing that we can do is actually build a rapid response, uh, put that kind of place, uh, rapid response in place where if you see violence, 
and you can support victims. You can mobilize all the resources of the city to provide necessary support to the victim, to their family, and to the community. Another issue is uh, how does police respond to uh, uh, hate violence? Right? Are they taking them seriously? Are the right departments uh, uh, investigating them? I know independent police is independent of city council, but there has to be accountability built into the system where they are responding and allocating right resources to uh, fight hate and violence in uh, uh, in our city. So there's a number of things. Uh, another thing that I would say, the anti-racism work must be led by the community, and we need to empower communities to lead that work. And city administration's role is to provide that necessary support uh, to the community, but also lead by example by showing and demonstrating to the community that city administration takes their work seriously, that they implement policies internally to have their city and their workforce reflective of the city's workforce, uh, city's demographics. I think you touched on a on an interesting point. Like Edmonton has never seen a or had a racialized mayor. How do you think that will impact? your campaign and I guess later as for your role as a mayor if you win the election? Yeah, this is a very interesting question. When I ran in 2007, I had an incident at a door where I knocked on this woman's door and had a wonderful conversation with her. But when I was leaving, she stopped me and asked me this very uncomfortable question. Uh, and her question was that if I get elected, will I represent all Edmontonians or will I represent my own people? Right? Mm-hmm. What she meant by my own people were people who looked like me. Right? And in her, in her mind, the brown people. Right? Mm-hmm. And my answer to her was that, look, if I get into this position, my role will be to represent all Canadians. And I am a Canadian. And as a Canadian, my role will be to work with everyone, with all Edmontonians. And that's the approach I have taken to my work from day one, uh, that we need to represent everyone. And when you represent everyone, you also need to understand that everyone is not succeeding in our city. And there are disadvantages that exist that impact certain populations more than the other populations. So applying an equity lens uh, to city services, applying an equity lens, how we diversify our workforce and how we encourage more racialized indigenous Edmontonians to be part of uh, uh, that workforce and how we reform our institutions to be responsive to the needs of racialized communities. I think that's where your lived experience comes handy. It becomes a, a source of knowledge and source of expertise uh, that you use to bring in changes uh, to the, your administration, your work, by living through that racial pain, by living through that sense of marginalization and isolation that you feel as, as, a, as a racialized individual. Uh, so you apply that lens to the work you do, but you do that in a way that you're representing everyone and you're building 
a community where everyone feel that they are part of it and that they belong. I could ask you a million more questions about your favorite places uh, in Edmonton, but I, I only have one question left. After your announcement of your mayoral race, uh, you mentioned that Edmonton is at a pivotal moment. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So coming out of this COVID, I feel that the issues that we have to confront, the issues that we have to tackle from the state of the economy, Alberta's economy was in a downturn even before COVID because of the structural changes that are happening in our major industry, the energy sector. Now you couple that with the impact of COVID on businesses. A lot of business had to shut down. They had to figure out uh, how to run their businesses on the fly in, uh, in, 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 in face of uh, restrictions that were imposed because of COVID. And a lot of businesses uh, have, not been, have not been able to make ends meet, particularly those who are people-oriented, people-service-oriented, bars, restaurants, hair salons, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, where people go buy stuff, the stores and all that, right? So, uh, and they're hurting. So hard, and then you think about climate change, then you think about equity issues, racism, discrimination. So that's what I mean that we are at a pivotal moment and where, which direction we take matters but also how we tackle these issues matters. And I go back to my earlier observation that the issues that we're facing cannot be tackled by one individual. They need to be tackled through collaboration, through working together and building, building alliances, building partnerships within the city, with regional partners, with the province, with the federal government. And we need that bridge building uh, uh, approach and that's what I mean, having, being at this pivotal moment where it matters uh, how we do things uh, and how we tackle these issues. Well, that's all the questions we had. Thank you so much for taking time to be on our podcast. No, thank you, Matthew. Really appreciate the time. And also, Alice, thank you so much for facilitating in the, uh, in the conversation and wish, wish you all the best. Wherever you are listening, remember to follow us or subscribe, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, to be notified of the latest episodes. Also, it really helps our podcast. If you think there's a guest that you would like us to interview or you yourself would like to be on our podcast, send us an email at postacochronicles at gmail.com. You can also keep up with the latest PCC news by following us on Instagram or Twitter. Postal Chronicles is hosted and produced by me, Matt Falk. Alice Coombs was the co-producer for this episode. Our staff also includes Kasun Medegadara and Rostislav Seroka. Our main theme song is called Last Energy for the Day by Loyalty Freak Music. And there are other music credits on our website. Thank you for listening. See you next time.